Welcome to the Short Thunk Podcast. I'm Tom Barbelay. Today I'd like to talk a little bit about blood evidence. My wife and I have been watching a series, kind of legal drama series, although they're going to cover New Orleans and the breaking of the levees in the next season, so I'm not sure which particular direction this is going to go. But The People vs. O.J. Simpson was the first season that we watched in its entirety in about six evenings. Periodically we'd take evenings off, but we'd watch it with such a frequency that we could cover, I think, the entire ten episodes over about six days. O.J. Simpson, I don't know. It wasn't really part of anything that happened in Australia. My exposure to him was through Malaysian tabloids because they would just basically import the American tabloids and then, you know, sometimes just republish them as is. So I saw a few of the bloody crime photos and various other things as I would walk around Penang and Kuala Lumpur and all these kind of places because they were just pretty well omnipresent there. I guess there was some expat American population that just liked having access to the tabloid media. But in terms of my knowledge of the case and these kind of things, not really very big up until watching this series and getting a sense of the nature of the legal system, which I haven't really had much exposure to. I mean, I think I know the standard, you know, anarchist perspective associated with the legal system, that it's designed to keep the wealthy in positions of power and designed to throw away tens of thousands, if not millions of lives into the commercial prison industrial complex, which seems to be relatively self-fulfilling. But the juxtaposition of having an interesting murder case, double murder case, and a man who had basically unlimited resources, but at the same point was part of this whole black American thing, which probably is worthy of some discussion over future short funks, but I think it's just a extraordinary social phenomena that in many ways is created in a variety of different directions, but obviously very, very well maintained. In any case, the quality of blood evidence, or at least my perception of the quality of blood evidence leading into watching this series, was that there was definitive evidence that showed that OJ's blood was at the various scenes and thus linked him to the murders and a kind of mixing of the blood. What I didn't appreciate at the time was how the prosecution, but more importantly, the medical folk that were in charge of collecting the blood evidence and also, you know, testing the blood evidence were clearly really, really incompetent. And it's rather curious, actually, because when we look at DNA evidence today, we view it as being completely infallible, that the whole nature of, you know, the occasional mistakes and what have you, but it's all basically ironed out in the end. And you have wonderful things like the Innocence Project, which, funnily enough, was actually started by one of OJ's lawyers after he'd obviously done the OJ trial. So you have this interesting circumstance where, on the face of it, just hearing about blood evidence and hearing the prosecution story, things look very good. And then you have this curious circumstance where the defence actually shows that there was a lot of points of tampering and just general neglect associated with the DNA evidence. And this, I think, is a fascinating claim to make in this kind of trial because it completely derailed the beyond a reasonable doubt circumstance. Now, obviously, there was gloves. Obviously, there was the racist police officer. But let's just look at the blood evidence alone. The blood evidence for me was kind of gobsmacking in terms of just getting the sense, firstly, that they used blankets from the house in order to cover the bodies that obviously had DNA on it previously from Simpson, amongst others, and that this was able to contaminate the scene, the transfer of Simpson's blood at the crime scene, the way in which these things were stored for long periods of time before they were actually, you know, transferred into some official custody to be officially tested, 
all this stuff struck me as really very extraordinary and really quite undermining of any claims of beyond a reasonable doubt. It caused some schisms between my wife and I because my wife ultimately lived through the experience in LA and had a very strong sense that O.J. Simpson was clearly a guilty person here. But what I found fascinating through this is just by discussing the way in which these things were tampered with, the blood evidence in particular. Now, we don't know whether they were explicitly tampered with, but there was enough bumbling and enough blood loss of O.J. sample where it could be perfectly possible that these things were contaminated either at the scene or alternatively contaminated through some form of the examination process of the DNA evidence. And what's particularly curious through all of this is this isn't even taking into account the fact that the police officer that was there collecting these various things, or at least maintaining these various things, refused to say in court whether or not he'd actually tampered with the evidence, instead pleading the fifth. So this moves beyond a reasonable doubt into a very interesting area of legal philosophy, for want of a better term. To be honest, this was one of the few examples of a court case that I found curiously compelling. And at the time, it just seemed like a bit of a circus looking at it from afar. But now, having had the opportunity to consume it over a series of nights, I realise that there is something distinctly interesting about this court case. Not associated with a celebrity, not associated with the rise of the Kardashians following this thing, but actually associated with what the law in practice means in these circumstances where the chain of command is so heavily polluted. And it's interesting actually returning to my original anarchist philosophy, because ultimately even I had to move out of that kind of anarchist comfort zone when reviewing this particular case. Another thing, which is a basic chain of command issue, is the defence allowed every person on the defence team to contribute ideas that were weighted and talked through, whereas the prosecution had a sense of hierarchy, which meant that some of the fundamental information that various participants had were lost through the chain of command, lost through the hierarchy. And ultimately, interestingly enough, The People versus O.J. Simpson is a sharp examination and rejection of hierarchical command chains. Tom Barbelay in San Jose, signing out.